Welcome to the Codependent Me Podcast. I'm Tamara Shaw, a recovering codependent, a codependent life coach, and the co-author of God Turned Mommy's Wine Into Water. This podcast was created to increase the awareness of codependency and to give a more holistic look at the journey and healing of codependence. Welcome to the Codependent Me podcast. I'm your host, Tamara Shaw, and today we have a wonderful guest. His name is J.K. Emazy. Welcome to the show, J.K. I'm so glad to, to be here. Thank you for having me, Tamala. Absolutely. And today we are bringing the audience a wonderful topic that um, I felt as though when you reached out on Podmatch, I like to give them their shout out. Their shout out. Um, it was very interesting. It, it, it was very intriguing for me because I don't hear about people talk about porn addiction a lot. It's kind of one of those taboo subjects, but it needs to be understood. So I was very grateful that you reached out. And so if you could tell me a bit about your background and about your company. Great. Well, I run a company called Elevated Recovery, and we help uh, ambitious business owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals who are struggling with a secret out of control sexual behavior, usually high speed internet pornography addiction and masturbation. We help you end that behavior discreetly. So I've been doing it for about 11 years now. And I myself have been, we use the word rebooted instead of the word recovery. I've been rebooted for going on 15 years right now. And, um, it started the way it starts for most men, um, which is at a young age, I was exposed to it. And I'm generalizing. I know some men were exposed to it later on in life. I was about eight years old. I was um, uh, my parents had a nanny that would take care of us. And I remember the first time I was exposed to it was actually a comic book. It was a, just a lewd comic book that had a, a storyline of adultery, actually, interestingly enough. And I remember that vividly. Now, at the time, I was probably about seven, eight years old or even younger. And I remember seeing this comic book. I got it from under her bed because I was a kid. I saw her reading a comic and I was like, I want to read the comic. And she's like, no, it's not for you. So being a kid who liked comics, I went for it. And even though I did not have the ability to be aroused at that point, I knew that what I saw was naughty. I knew that it was bad. I knew my parents would be upset. But in my child's mind, I was like, but it's a comic. I know this is bad stuff, but if it's... So I just just knew it was bad because it was hidden under the bed. And in that moment, there was a chemical reaction that occurred. There was a lot of adrenaline. There was like, I I don't know what this is, but it's bad. But I'm also curious to see, and I'm afraid that I'm going to get caught. Mm -hmm. The issue is that I got attached to that. So I got attached to the feeling, the thrill of hiding and looking at explicit material. Now, fast forward a few years later, and I'm 13, 14 years old, and I learn how to masturbate. And then I make the connection. I realized, oh, like to get that feeling, 
there's this something that happens to me. And that kicked off a behavior where um, prior to that, when I was a kid, any time I experienced very strong emotions, I would look for an emotion to replace that very strong emotion. And the most, the highest high I could get as a child was that feeling of hiding something. So I would seek that. Now, when I learned how to orgasm and I started, I hit puberty, I could now actually connect it to actual orgasm. And moving forward, every strong emotion, every time I experience stress as you go through high school, um, loneliness, a lack of intimacy when I saw other boys and other people dating and I felt that I was awkward and I had acne and body image issues, all these things you go through, I would go straight to pornography. And I used it so incessantly to the point that I couldn't even stop. And that's the first part of the story. So that's how I actually ended up um, becoming addicted to, to pornography. So it was kind of like a release. It was. Some people um, may do emotional eating mm. or drinking. Mm. So that was really your release in order to deal with whatever was happening in your life. That was the way that I, I cope with it. That was my coping strategy. So we have people out that may watch pornography or masturbate. And how would they know that, okay, how much is too much? That's a great question. You know, a lot of people, even in just my day-to-day my -day life, when they hear what I do, they're very curious. So everyone is, well, I have my own sexual life. I have the things I do. And people's sexual lives are very varied. varied. And of course, there, there's a strong element of shame, secrecy, fear of being judged for our fantasies or the things we're interested in. So when people learn that there's actually something like addiction, there's a very natural tendency to go like, well, I feel like I do it too much and I feel like I'm enjoying sex too much or enjoying sexual images. It's very simple. I don't go into any, uh, there are lots of definitions out there. But I'm a very practical person. I'm a practitioner. My job is not to raise awareness. My job is to heal and get people out of it in the quickest way possible. So my definition is that anytime you engage in sexual behavior, which interrupts any of the major domains of your life, if it gets in the way of your social life, which includes your romantic relationships, your ability to connect intimately, if it gets in the way of your financial life, if you are staying up late to view pornography or engage in sexual behavior, and this makes you late for work, if you're using it on your work computer, um, if it gets in the way of your physical health, if you are engaging in risky behavior and you're doing it at the expense of everything, you want to live that fetish, experience it, engaging in risky behavior. Um, and if, it's, if you're doing things which are illegal, so if you do it to the point where you're viewing stuff that is illegal or engaging in illegal behavior. That's one part of it. But the second part is if you try to stop, if it's getting in the way of those things is the first criteria. But when you try to stop, you cannot, which means you can stay off it for a few weeks. You can use willpower for a few months, but inevitably you come back to that. There's a third criteria, which is not applicable to everybody. And that third criteria would be if your behavior is escalating, so you're now concerned about it, 
You're now like, I'm taking big risks. I'm stepping out on my partner. I'm, I actually notice I engage in this with every partner. Like I get tired of sex very quickly and I want to go to something on the computer. You may have a compulsive behavior, a sexual issue. That's good. That's good. Um, that's a, that's, I love the point. I love the point. <laughs> because, you know, a lot of people don't, like you said, this is, this is something that people don't really talk about. So it's good to be able to gauge, well, what, what if, if my behavior is this, then, what? you know, so that's awesome. So you have been on your Instagram. I told you that earlier and I've yeah. enjoyed it. So please check him out on Instagram. Um, but you talked about edging. Mm. Can you please explain what that is for me? So edging is the term that is, we use it, we're using it in the context of men here. I'm sure women edge as well. But edging is basically when you are viewing pornography or you are stimulating yourself or you are stopping before you reach um, orgasm. So it's kind of like you're getting to the edge of the cliff that leads to orgasm, but you don't want to go over the cliff. Now, Generally speaking, there's nothing wrong with edging. A lot of people do it naturally when they masturbate because they want to extend the pleasure. But it is problematic when it comes to something like pornography addiction because pornography addiction is not a substance addiction, which is the reason why a lot of 12-step methodologies are not as effective, like SAA is not as effective for pornography because pornography is a behavioral addiction. We are not addicted to the actual orgasm. We are addicted to the somewhere in the process. Behavioral addictions are also known as process addictions. So what this would mean is when you orgasm, typically, you release dopamine. However, when you become an addict or your behavior becomes compulsive, dopamine is no longer released later on. You release a very small amount when you orgasm. Dopamine starts being released at the anticipation of orgasm. So what do you need to do? You need to open multiple tabs. You need to look for different genres. All you're doing is you think you're extending the time logically to orgasm. What's happening neurochemically is that that's actually when you are releasing dopamine. And thus, when you edge, you are actually training yourself to enjoy the process of looking for more novelty instead of going for orgasm eventually wow wow okay ah okay that's good so a lot of people actually use edging Uh while doing intercourse right Uh like you said in order to prolong it yeah and I've never thought about the process or the dopamine that's being released beforehand. Most people would think that, like you said, it's the climax that is the satisfaction. Yeah. Not so much. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I would so, say it's, um, um, it's probably more common in men simply because sexually men and women are very different so men are more likely to go straight for the orgasm but then their refractory period before they can go again is is longer 
Women, on the other hand, are more complex sexually. And for them, for some women, they orgasm easily. Some don't. Uh, but a lot of them have to try. So, for example, if they're with a partner, they need to either get in. in I was just telling my clients the other day, I was like, when you are intimate with your partner, you may have noticed sometimes she's closing her eyes and she's she's trying and I'm like, what she's doing is, is she's not like, she doesn't work like you do. You just, you're just going to go for it. She's trying to either not think too much or get in. She's finding a zone that she needs yes. to get into. So that's why it's more common with men because the woman is just like, I'm probably not going to orgasm immediately. He has to do it right. Or I have to do myself right. But for right. the man, um, he can orgasm easily. So edging is more common, but thus it, it keeps men more stuck on pornography. Gotcha. Okay. So P I E D. Yeah. Let's get into it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, one of the questions. So P I E D is porn induced erectile dysfunction. Yes. So if you could explain to the audience what it is and if a person has it, how do they deal with it? Great question. Porn-induced erectile dysfunction occurs when you have conditioned your brain and your neurochemistry to prefer uh, visual images and digital images to the actual process of having sex. So having sex in reality involves touch and uh, smell and your visual as well. But at the same time, it is for the most for the most part, it is one partner who is not airbrushed, who does not look like a porn star, who may not make the sound. So the visual, auditory, tactile, everything is very different in real life. But then people have a tendency to view more pornography than they actually engage in intimacy. And I, I often tell my clients, and for those of you who watch pornography who are listening, think about this. Chances are you have viewed more human beings having sex in your lifetime than any one of your ancestors from the beginning of time. In your lifetime, you've seen more people have sex. So you want to ask yourself, do you think nature prepared us for this level of stimuli? It did not, which is the reason why both for men and women, and it's happening more with women, they cannot get satisfied by men. The easy way to see is see over the pandemic, the type of sex toys that have started coming out, some crazy stuff out there. But that's because the women cannot, also because of pornography, they cannot get satisfied by, by a man. PIED occurs when the man's, um, uh, the, the, his neural pathways, when it comes to actually getting aroused, change. So he's been watching a lot of pornography when he's in front of a live woman. His brain is not supporting him with that. Brain is like, well, uh, uh, can I jump to another tab? Can I change her ethnicity? Can I? No, you, you can't do those things. And thus, he's not aroused. So emotionally, that can be a very distressing thing for a man. It can be very emasculating. And of course, it can move on from porn-induced erectile dysfunction to performance anxiety. But the man is now living in fear of, um, of actually having sex, and he puts it off because he just doesn't trust himself to, to perform. Now, there's a, for those of you who are listening who are going like, my God, like I did not know that. Like I didn't know there could be a connection between my porn viewing 
and my inability to to perform there's a there's a very simple test and the simple test is can you maintain an erection without an image so if you were to just masturbate normally can you maintain an erection if you cannot if you cannot stimulate yourself with just the image of your wife or your primary partner or of one person and you need to have some elaborate fantasy or you even need to have a fantasy at all then once you do that try and do it with pornography but with pornography if the, even the thought of pornography or the process of getting ready to view pornography causes you to be aroused then chances are you have some form of porn induced erectile dysfunction and the process of ending it is again it's it's simple but not easy First of all, you do have to reduce your consumption of pornography. And my recommendation is to completely cut out your consumption of pornography uh, to give your, your brain a chance to heal and give your, chance a brain to, uh, your brain a chance to rewire. That's where our service Porn Reboot comes in because that's the first time men realize, oh, I can't stop this. But the problem is men feel that they can use willpower. But while they're busy using willpower and slipping and relapsing, their life is passing them by, their partner is unsatisfied, their shame and guilt is growing, and subconsciously, each time they tell themselves that they're not going to watch pornography, but they give in and watch it, and watch it their subconscious mind is keeping tracks of their wins and losses. And this will always count as a failure. So then it starts spreading into other areas of your life. This is the reason why some men who cannot end this on their own need professional help. So. The first step would be staying off pornography. The second step would be actually undoing the physical damage that has been done to your body as a result of pornography. A lot of people are unaware of that. So um, there's an exercise, well, between our legs, for both men and women, um, there's a muscle called, uh, um, it's your pelvic floor, but it's made up of multiple muscles. Uh, the main muscle that is involved in ejaculation is called the ischiocavernosis muscle. And it is usually what we clench when we are urinating. Um, and there's another muscle, an external muscle called the bulbocavernosis muscle. It's another one. And each of these muscles is contracted um, during orgasm, when we're edging, when we're trying to hold back. For women, they use it during childbirth and so on, and also during sex. Now, these are very important muscles because your pelvic floor, when you have been viewing pornography or masturbating constantly, it gets imbalanced as a result of that, particularly for men. And so as a result, you the way a man watches porn and masturbates has nothing to do with the simulation of actual sexual uh, behavior, right? You don't have sex the way you have porn where... You're stroking yourself and then you stop. It doesn't even feel the same way because you're using your hand or you're using a device or one thing or the other. And thus, the starting and the stopping is an exercise for the pelvic floor. And so it is also trained to only react when the stimulation is as if you're viewing something virtual. So men have to start relearning how to use their pelvic floor in the right way. They have to start doing Kegel exercises as well. That would be the second step. And then the, the third step is actually the mental game of all of this. And the mental game is understanding, first of all, that 
this is going to take time and that your partner has to be patient with you. She has to understand, not she has to, the truth is you did this to yourself. So she doesn't have to do anything. You have to accept the consequences of your actions. <laughs> you messed up well, already. We hope if you're putting in the work, she would understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you hope that if you're putting in the work, she will understand right. and reciprocate. But if she doesn't, the truth is that sucks. It is the way it is. And you've got to, <laughs> yeah. you've got to learn how to, to have the emotional strength to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the other part is the man himself has to understand that it is so connected to your identity as a man, your ability to perform. And yes, the men who use pills, a little blue pill, a little yellow pill. There's nothing wrong with that when you're first getting started. Just don't get dependent on it and be gentle and compassionate with yourself. Remember that you got into this predicament often out of ignorance. You did not know any better. And you also live in a highly sexualized society that keep kept pushing sex at you. All of this was normalized. And even if you are addicted to it, understand that if you used it to medicate or anesthetize pain or stress or loneliness or intimacy it was mm -hmm. simply because there is something within you that was trying to protect you from that pain it just overstayed its welcome so mm -hmm. self-compassion as you're healing learning to rework your pelvic floor and rebuild intimacies the most important part of all of this it does not work if you will not be forgiving on yourself your shame and guilt will continue to grow if you do not learn to love yourself. Right. So there's so much emotional, physical, like it's so many different areas that's affected, right? Or has to be healed. Um, so all of that has to be, if you're, if you have a partner, mm. it's just like with, with other situations, the partner's in this as well. Yeah. They have to have their own understanding and figure out how they play a role in the healing as well. So if there's someone who has a partner that has this addiction, what suggestions do you give them for someone who may not know and then someone who is going through it and, and healing, right? That's a great question. So I'll, I'll speak in the context that I'm most familiar with. I'll stay in my lane, which is for, <laughs> Sounds good. for, for, for uh, the female partners of male, of male sex addicts. If you have suspected that something is going on, perhaps not an affair, but if you find that your partner no longer wants to have sex, he is constantly putting it off. He is unable to perform. He, his head is constantly on a swivel when y'all are out. He's always checking people out. He's constantly hiding his phone from you. doesn't mean he's having an affair or stepping out. It just means that he's probably, he may have a problem with pornography. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing it up. I think one of the best ways to bring it up is to be cool with it because it may be something that is real. However, uh, the truth is that it dep also depends on your personality and your upbringing and whatever issues you may or may not have. There are some women who view pornography as cheating and there are some women who view it as it's, it's not that big a deal. And some are okay with it as long as their partner is not engaging in it always. The reason why I'm bringing this up is that 
if you are not careful about this and you don't think about it or educate yourself before you go into it, you may traumatize yourself by what you hear. You may find that your partner is watching the pornography that um, you had no idea that this was something he was into. And if you have things like body image issues, um, whatever issues you may have, now this can bring up some past trauma or it may bring up with emotions which are so strong and unexpected and shocking that you may end up traumatizing yourself. And this is known as betrayal trauma, where you feel betrayed by something that you are learning about your partner. So it's even though a lot of people are very curious, like, I want to know, tell me everything. You really want to ask yourself, am I prepared to hear everything? Um, now, if you already know that your partner has a problem with pornography, if you are fortunate, then your partner is willing to work on it and talk about it. However, for the most part, you're going to fall into one of two camps. One is your partner completely denies that they have a, a problem with pornography or they just say that um, it's not a problem. Um, they, they downplay it. And the other is that... Um, uh, lost my train of thought for a second. <laughs> what did I say? The first one is that they, they admit it. And the second one is that they actually, um, they actually, they admit it, but they refuse to get help. They mm -hmm. absolutely they know that they know it, but they're like, I don't, I don't need help. I can deal with this on my own. Exactly. And both cases, both situations are going to hurt your relationship. Now, this is where you have to be very careful because this is where the pain begins for you. Ending the relationship does not mean that the pain is going to go away. You have to be aware. Coming back to the, the theme of what you do, Tamala, one of the things I've noticed when it comes to, may, may I talk about codependency for a moment? Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. So <laughs> it, goes, it goes both ways. So there's a situation where a woman is the codependent in the relationship, she realizes that her partner has a problem with pornography. Now, outside of the problem she's already facing as a codependent in a relationship, she's now dealing with somebody who is exhibiting the signs of pornography addiction. And this includes narcissistic traits, which are just horrible for a codependent. You may have gotten with, together with someone who was not a narcissist, who did not have any of those traits. You're already a codependent. But his pornography addiction is going to magnify any latent narcissistic traits he has because the entire process of watching pornography is inherently selfish. It is about me. You don't care if the person you were watching was sex trafficked. It has no connection. There is no intimacy. It is just... Ooh for your personal satisfaction and gratification. And so he's becoming that person. Now, when you tell him to seek help and he says he can do it on his own, he's going to begin the process of either hiding from you or, quote unquote, failing at it, which brings up shame and guilt, which now forces him to lean back on the narcissistic traits to protect himself. And you're busy being even more codependent, getting dug into this very deep hole. So a lot of times, it's so interesting, we will get clients. And if we suspect that uh, the partner is a codependent, we have a whole different process for even 
beginning things. Because we will have a codependent who sees the light for five minutes and she reaches out to us and says, I think my man has a problem. I've sent him your videos, uh, blah, 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 blah. But on the call, we always insist that the codependent shows up with the husband. Suddenly, she's defending him. She's like, no, I'm, with, I'm just like, hold up, hold up, you, you, you he only reached did out. It because, he did it because this is really not a problem. There you go. And it will end in the craziest way where she's just like, you know what? At the end of the day, I think I think we can do it. Right, honey? I think I think we can I think we can do it on our own. I, I will support him. I'll be his I'll be his right. accountability partner. I'm I'll just like sure. you just came full circle. <laughs> right. I'll check the websites, browsers, I'll check the history. I'll make sure. Yes. Yeah. He wants you to do that. He's okay oh. with you. He feels good. He feels safe. And I just tell him going away, it's not going to change anything. Girl, you need to save yourself. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll get pretty. Don't worry. You know, and I a lot of insecurities that show up, um, you know, for the mate. Mm. Well, maybe I'm not pretty enough. Maybe I didn't wear the right clothes. Maybe I should. I've had people, you know, say, oh, well, I just need to do certain things in the bedroom. Maybe I'll wear a wig tomorrow. I'll be blonde or redhead. And, you know, he seems to watch you know, women that are this, so I'll be more that. And it's like, no, no, don't do that. So, wow, wow. So let's talk about uh, about the program. You know, mm -hmm. you said you have the porn reboot system. Yeah. Can you uh, tell the audience about you, how you and your team? And if someone on the, you know, listening is like, ah, I probably need to reach out or get more information. What should they do? Well, look me up. Uh, probably the best way is just to Google me. Just the initials JK. And my last name is spelled E-M-E-Z-I. So it's JK, last name E-M-E-Z-I. And uh, you can Google me. I First thing I recommend is it's 2023 at the time of this recording. And there's a lot of stuff online. There are coaches and everything online. One of our biggest things is integrity and compassion. And what that means is I want to advise everybody, even though I'm showing up on the podcast, assume bullshit. This is very important. This is a message I share because Thank there are you. a lot of people who do something, things similar to me who may not be the best for you. Do your research first. Um, try and understand the behavior first. Find out if it's something you really want to do and if you're ready at this point in your life to move forward. So that's why I say, Google me. Um, our YouTube is called Porn Reboot. Um, you can also search for my name. And my podcast is called The Porn Reboot Podcast. Our website is elevatedrecovery.org. You can watch actual video testimonials from our clients. Um, we have hundreds of them. And um, you can put it in an application. We do screen everybody who comes through um, simply because you may think you have a problem with pornography, but you, you may not. And I, I just want to also let you know that it's okay if you don't feel ready. If you're experiencing a lot of shame and guilt, and you're just like, I'm just not ready to talk about this. I've never spoken to anybody about this. The first thing I'll say is, um, this is what we do. This is what I do 80 plus hours a week. This is what my team does. And um, we're very open, compassionate, and there's nothing that you have gone through. I don't care whether your behavior began with some form of sexual abuse. I don't care if it was religious abuse. I don't care if you're coming out of abusive relationships. We have the support 
We offer coaching. We have a psychiatrist on our staff. We have trauma-informed coaches. Um, we have what we call Reboot Heroes, very experienced men in this program, those who are in relationships and those who aren't, um, to support you. We have over 250 accountability partners that are men in the program to keep you accountable. Um, and we have coaching every single day. There is group coaching seven days a week. So you will always have a community that you can reach out to. There's always a call you can get to. There's always someone you can reach out to one-on-one. We like to think that your addiction does not sleep, so neither do we. Ah, oh, I tell you, I completely love that, that you have a full community waiting for people that are ready to move forward. That is the reboot heroes like that. <laughs> that is wonderful. Like you, you're, you're taking them every step, every step. Like I won't, we, we won't leave you. We are Absolutely here for not. Absolutely not. What we tell what we tell guys, Tamala, is that um, when you're onboarded, we let you know that first of all, I'm never going to quit on you. It is so easy when you have shame and guilt, and when your ego steps up, like you know, I don't need I don't need anybody to, to tell me what to do to control my behavior. I got this. We understand that, uh, but at the same time, we also understand how your ego can cause you to run away and hide. And uh, I'll put it out there. I'm, I'm, we're very compassionate. We're very kind. But at the same time, I am your brother in this struggle. And what that simply means is that I wish that I had an older brother who knew better, who told me that, hey, this isn't cool. This isn't fun. And this isn't normal. This is going to destroy your life later on. It took me a very long time to climb out of this hole. And I'm very, very direct with people. I tell people when they're screwing around, when they're messing up, and I will tell you when you're about to destroy your life. So if you get on a call with me, like in that circumstance that messed up, I'm not some nice, sweet therapist who's going to sit down and be like, well, well, you think about it. And when y'all are ready, you come back. I will just straight up be like, you are going to fuck your life up. (laughs) This is what's going to happen based on my 11 years of experience. And when you come back, this is just don't mind my tone. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means that you need me to snap you out of your codependency, snap you out of your narcissism, snap you out of that story that you are telling yourself over and over again. We don't need your money. We are the top porn addiction recovery company on the planet. We, we actually That's literally right. are. So we don't I need know. it. But what's important is that you walk away and whomever you end up working with, I want your voice, my voice, in your head. I want you two years later when you're still edging and still struggling with it. You're like, that JK dude, he called he said yeah, it. I'm, I'm going to go to a meeting. Me I'm going to go to my pastor. I'm going to go talk to somebody. So before you apply, just know. That I will call you out if you be You're gonna get the real. You're gonna <laughs> yep. get the real. Yep. And that's you are. that's wonderful though. Like it's it's one of those situations where like I'm always I want friends that'll tell me when I'm wrong. Mm. I want, you know, I don't want the yes people. I want somebody, no, you messed up and you need to get it together. Like, no, I don't agree with what you said. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. It'll make me sit back and go, okay, well, let me think. Okay, well, you're right, you know. But it at least makes me step back and say, okay. If they said that, they said it for a reason, right? They said it because they care. 
And that's what you're giving. I don't want to give up on you. And I don't want you to give up on you because you're the one that's going to be able to get you through this. So you can BS your way through it. Or, you know, you can sit around and and have, you know, what is it? Rainbows, fairy tales, shits and giggles. But that's not going to fix it. Right. So that I think that's fantastic. I love it. I love the program. I love the support. I mean, it's a, it's a whole world of support from the beginning all the way until the end. And I honor you for having all of this out here for people because we know certain things that supposedly happen under the covers, in the dark, in the room, behind closed doors or whatever. It comes with shame. It does. It comes with saying things of, you know, being scared of being abandoned. Right. So you have this program out here like, no, we got you. And yes, you do have a, a hole to come out of, but there's a there's somebody standing on the outside of that hole with their hand down, tr- helping you pull you out. You're not just clawing your way out. You know. I'll tell somewhere. you one more thing. I, I yes, gotta say, please. we are not just standing at the hole. I call myself a hell walker, which means that unlike other people who stand at the edge of the hole, I know how to get out. I and my mm-hmm. coaches, we will jump in with you. And we will walk through hell with you, hand in hand. The brotherhood will keep you accountable. And we will climb out together. It is more than a helping hand. We are willing to go through the pain with you again. Because you need to see that we can go through the pain to have the belief. To believe that you can go out, you need somebody who can walk by your side. And that's what we do. We are your partners in this. Well, you know what? I normally ask my guests before we get off to tell people one thing (laughs) that can help them through. But I think you already did it. But (laughs) I think that did it. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I will. I will say something. I will. Okay, perfect. (laughs) At the end of the day, no matter what happens, whether you are looking to a coach, whether you're looking to a therapist, whether you're looking to a religious leader for help, I want you to remember one thing. Those people are just there to help you on the journey. No matter how much of an expert they are, no one is a better expert at yourself than you. And I want you to know that at the end of the day, what we do here at Porn Reboot Elevated Recovery is we show you how to become the best expert at you. I don't believe in people going to a 12-step meeting for the rest of their life. I think these are helpful. The communities are helpful. But you must get to the point after you've changed your habits and your lifestyle, you must change your self-image for you to truly heal. And you're Mm -hmm. fully capable of doing that. It doesn't mean that you can do it on your own. You do need support. But just know that eventually you will know yourself better than anybody else. And you will free yourself from whatever is holding you back. That is phenomenal. JK, thank you so much for being on the Codependent Me podcast. Pamela, (laughs) thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you. This has been amazing. And again, I will put your website, you know, all all of the information in your show, in the show notes. Um, Audience, if you need to reach out. Like I said, he's got Instagram, go on, you know, www.elevatedrecovery.org. Um, JK Amazing, sorry, JK Amazing. Yes. Google him. I did. And he is everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Anything that you need is there, but you know, check him out. It is, it is phenomenal. But, um, 
Thank you so much. And I want to tell the audience that you matter and your story matters. And as always, I thank you because you can choose any podcast, but you chose this one and have a wonderful day. Goodbye. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time. So thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me. And check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.